Welcome to the McDark Horror Series. Lights out. Good. Here we go. Most people think working the graveyard shift sounds like torture. Working through the dead of night while the rest of the world sleeps. The eerie quiet that comes as the clock ticks away the seconds after midnight. Most people try to avoid third shift work whenever possible. But not Victor Allenworth. Victor enjoyed his late nights at the hospital working as a lab technician. He enjoyed knowing that his work could be valuable at any time of day and that he was willing to do voluntarily, where others had to be coerced with incentives and empty promises. Victor once considered entertaining the idea of becoming a full-fledged doctor, but that dream was short-lived as he soon discovered how much he liked his current position. Sure, it wasn't as glamorous or well-paying as being an actual physician, and he would sometimes kind of blend into the woodwork, but that was okay with Victor. He was never one for attention anyway. Victor paced the halls on one particularly cloudy night in October, looking for something to do. He hated to feel like he wasn't being productive. He had already looked in on all the patients in his wing and chatted up all the on-duty nurses as much as they would allow. Now he was left with little more to do than passing away the hours until his shift was over, verging on boredom. Victor was ready for anything to keep him busy. Well, almost anything. He didn't really want to get roped into another long conversation with Stanley the janitor. But that was exactly what he got. Hey there, Vic! Stanley called out as he came around the corner to the hallway Victor was pacing in. Stanley didn't appear much younger than Victor, probably in his early to mid-twenties with an average build. Stanley was an okay guy, but he had a tendency to talk too much and work too little. Oh, hey, Stanley. Victor said, pretending he just noticed the custodian. Victor was taught at a very young age to always be polite. His parents were very old school that way. How you doing? Oh, I'm great, Vic. I finished the first floor in record time today. If this keeps up, I'll be out of here with two hours to spare. Stanley began to lean against his mop handle, signifying to Victor that he would not be finished with any hours to spare. But I gotta tell you... I'm a little freaked out after what they found the other night. What they found? Victor was off shift the night before and hadn't heard anything about anyone finding anything. What'd they find? Looks like someone has been stealing from the hospital. Stanley said as he leaned in for dramatic effort. And I don't mean just stealing medical supplies either. Even though Victor was pretty sure this was just another one of Stanley's exaggerated stories designed to make himself look more interesting, he still caught himself looking intrigued, which only fanned the flames. I mean, Stanley continued, someone has been stealing parts, body parts, a few donor organs, some of the transfusion blood packs, and a lot of things from the morgue. Wait... Victor said suspiciously. How do they know all this? Why haven't I heard anything? I think they're trying to keep it under wraps until they find out who's doing it. I only know because I was here when they found the heart. Stanley somehow got both more relaxed and tense at the same time as he told this part of the story. 
Someone discovered a human heart in front of one of the emergency exits. I was cleaning the landing above when security got there. They didn't notice me. Apparently, it looked like someone dropped it on their way out. The alarm on the exit was disabled. Whoa, Victor said. An actual heart? How do they know it wasn't just a one-time thing? They checked the logs or something. Parts have been coming up missing for a while now, Stanley explained. So, yeah, a whole heart. But if I heard right, it was kind of strange. I think they said something about it being dry, like it was never pumping blood in the first place. But it was in perfect condition aside from that. Victor could see that Stanley was getting nervous from talking about the discovery. Perhaps for the first time in his life, Stanley wanted to end a conversation first. I'd better get back to work. Victor decided to bail out the nervous janitor. Yep, yeah, me too, said Stanley, just before he rushed off to find something else to mop. Victor hadn't heard about anyone finding the heart or searching through the locks. It seemed that the hospital wasn't the safe place Victor once thought it was. He spent the next hour washing bedpans and emptying the trash in the waiting rooms. It wasn't his job to do these things, but he couldn't stand not doing anything. It was especially hard to sit still with this new disturbing news weighing on his mind. In the dark silence of the empty waiting room of the third floor, he convinced himself that there was nothing to worry about. Maybe this whole thing really was just a one-time slip-up, and nothing more would come from it. Perhaps Stanley was exaggerating the story beyond all truth. Victor knew that at least some of it was a lie. No body parts had been taken from the morgue. Family members of the deceased definitely would have noticed that dear Uncle Mel was missing an arm at the funeral, though he could easily justify dismissing Stanley's claims. Victor could not shake the feeling that he was in danger. He still felt he needed to be careful. He kept himself as busy as he could to distract himself from this looming threat. But the graveyard shift just didn't offer up as much as he would like. He found a small escape when he heard his name being paged over the intercom system. He had an urgent blood sample to examine for a patient who had just arrived. Victor wanted to take more time than necessary with the blood sample. He wanted to be as thorough as he possibly could and examine the blood in every possible angle, fashion, and lighting he could imagine. He wanted to be thorough. But more than that, he wanted to be busy. When he finished, it was only midnight. He would still be on the clock until 5 a.m. He had a mandatory lunch break in an hour that would probably make him even more nervous. The lab tech returned the blood sample to the nurse that had given it to him along with the results. There was nothing out of the ordinary in this patient's blood. Victor could have told her that just from looking at the patient. But in medicine, it pays to check things to completion. After exchanging a quick smile with the pretty young nurse, Victor left the patient's room only to run into Father Linwood, literally. When the two collided, they both stumbled and fell to the hard tile floor with a force that should have caused a loud thud, but instead was as silent as most of the hospital at this hour. Father Linwood rose first and dusted off his chaplain uniform with a smile. Father Linwood always made Victor feel uncomfortable. He was the priest who was assigned to offer reassurance to families of dead or dying loved ones in the hospital's care late at night. 
He was a delightful man in his early thirties with well-kept black hair and a smile that could put you at ease with just one look. Unless, of course, you were Victor. The chaplain offered Victor a hand to help him up. Sorry about that, Victor, Linwood said. I must have been thinking about something. I didn't even see you there. That's okay, Father. Victor exhaled hard as he pretended not to notice the outstretched hand of the priest and helped himself to his feet. Accidents happen. Are you feeling all right, Victor? Father Linwood looked into Victor's eyes with a soft compassion that seemed to burn. Victor wanted to look away, but he didn't. You look as though something is on your mind as well. I'm fine. Victor lied. Just trying to figure out what to do for lunch. Victor matched the clergyman's stare. He felt that if anyone needed to be watched in the hospital, especially with recent events unfolding, it was Father Linwood. The so-called servant of God. Victor never trusted him, and he never would. Yes, these late meals can be an ordeal sometimes. Father Linwood smiled again. Well, good luck to you. I need to be off now. With a passing nod, the chaplain was off again to do whatever it was he was in such a hurry for in the first place. Victor watched him closely, until he could no longer see the Holy Father. With his lunch break less than fifteen minutes away, Victor Allenworth started his trek back to the third-floor nurse's station, where he would tell whoever was there that he would be away for the next hour. Not even halfway there, Victor noticed his stomach growling furiously. He took this as a good sign. He was worried that he would find himself without an appetite, with a secret manhunt for someone taking body parts going on. But Mr. Allenworth's appetite never failed him. His stomach knew it when it was time to be fed, and it made sure that Victor knew as well. Okay, Victor, thanks for the heads up. Cindy Fox was staffing the nurse's station that night. She was young, beautiful and she clearly had a hard time controlling herself when Victor was around. Oh, and I like what you did with your hair. She started to blush. You look good. I mean it. It looks good. Thank you, Cindy. Victor said, returning her smile, and turning around so he could pretend he didn't see her blushing. The truth was that Victor hadn't done anything new with his hair. He looked exactly the same on that day as he did on any other day. Or at least he assumed he did. Victor wasn't a vain man. He didn't look at himself often. He kind of forgot he even had a mirror in his bathroom, since he never needed to shave. With his stomach at full roar by now, Victor rushed off to the sub-level of the hospital, where he could find the storage room, psych wards, training rooms, morgue, and the cafeteria. No one would be serving food this late, but the vending machines next to the microwaves ran all night. He hoped that no one could hear the angry pleas of his hungry stomach echoing through the halls as he descended. After having his usual quick meal in the windowless sublevel, Victor bought a pack of gum from one of the machines and began to chew a piece. He would spit it out before returning to work. But he believed that the other employees deserved better than to smell his makeshift meals on his breath every day. Once back on the third floor, he was given a few more simple tasks to do. He gathered a few extra pillars for patients who asked. This was against policy, but that was the beauty of the graveyard shift no one had to know. He double-checked his lab work from the past week for errors or typos. At one point, he considered rewriting one report into a song 
just to see the doctor's reaction. An hour passed before anything in this routine changed, when Cindy came back to the nurse's station with a look of panic to accompany the tears in her eyes. Someone tried to kill me! She finally said more loudly than she intended once she got within earshot. She sank to the floor and began to sob uncontrollably and babbling in no discernible language. Honey, slow down! The head nurse, Nurse Jackson, was large, assertive, sassy, an extremely caring woman who saw everyone working under her as her own child. She kneeled down next to Cindy. Tell me what's going on. Before Cindy could respond, two large men came crashing through the swinging doors behind her. One of the men was wearing a detective's badge on his belt. The other man was Miguel, one of the two late-night security officers. Miss Fox... The detective, who would later identify himself as Detective Gates, said calmly, I need you to calm down. We have no reason to believe that anyone was after you. Yeah. Miguel reached out to comfort her, but she shrugged away from his touch. Cindy, everything will be all right. Addressing everyone now, Detective Gates said, It would appear a patient was attacked. I was already on scene for personal reasons, so I'll be heading this investigation. A patient? Nurse Jackson shot up from her kneeling position. Here? On the third floor with all of us here? No, ma'am, Gates said. Either he was very proper, which seemed unlikely, or Nurse Jackson just commanded a certain amount of respect from everyone. First floor. In the- In the psychiatric ward. Cindy gathered herself enough strength to interrupt him. They called me down to help deliver medicine since they were shorthanded. Nurse Jackson, you remember- when I got there, they... <laughs> she lost herself in her sobs again. It looks like one of the patients was attacked with something sharp but crude. Gates took over again. Like a meat fork or something. Nothing medical. As for damn sure, the wound should have bled a lot more than it did. Gates pulled out a pack of cigarettes and must have then remembered that he was in a hospital because he immediately put them away again. I tried to get a statement from the victim, but in a psych ward it's hard to find a reliable source. I found Cindy here, with blood on her scrubs, screaming for her life. Miguel thought he was being helpful, but it was clear that he was just embarrassing the girl. Normally I would have arrested her under suspicion. Gates seemed to have no regard for protocol. It seemed like he was telling anyone who would listen about this open investigation. Victor wondered why a guy like this wouldn't have arrested anyone under suspicion. Normally I would, but Miguel convinced me to watch the security tapes. Cindy was accounted for in a different part of the wing when the attack happened. She found the victim and got a little hysterical. Wait, you have tapes? Nurse Jackson sounded a little exasperated. Then you already saw who did this. Stop being dramatic and just tell us. We have our own work to do. There's no one there, Miguel said before Detective Gates gave him a silencing glare. It's weird, Gates said, again considering lighting up a cigarette. We found the footage leading up to the attack, and the footage after the attack. But during the attack, there was no one else in the patient's room. He convinced himself to put the smokes away again. The guy just starts screaming and thrashing, but he doesn't move from his bed until all at once he stands up holds the side of his neck where the wound appeared. Maybe someone doctored the footage? Miguel said with no pun intended. There are only two people here that could have done that, Miguel. 
Gates was clearly exhausted. One of them is you, and the other was in the surveillance room with you. Are you trying to incriminate yourself? Miguel didn't do this, Cindy said between sobs. I know he didn't, Gates explained. We found him and your other night guard accounted for at the time, too. <sighs> Gates lets out a long sigh. If any of you can come up with anything I can use, you can get a hold of me through Miguel. He ushered the security guard out through the same swinging doors they came from. Nurse Jackson began trying to rally the troops to get back to work, but Victor needed no rallying. He was eager to do something to keep his mind off things, or at least to try. An attack in the psych ward. Victor was just in the sub-level. He would have been close when Cindy found the bleeding patient. How did he not hear her? With all his worrying about what was going on, he managed to completely miss the cries from someone close by. That worried him even more. Victor found out a little later that Father Linwood was called down to the psych ward to try to calm the patients a little. He wouldn't be forced to do so. It wasn't in his job description to visit psychiatrics, especially this late. But good old Father Linwood would never miss an opportunity to spread the word. Victor decided to take this time to have a look around in the father's office. He was always uncomfortable with the priest. He wanted to know if anyone else had reason to be. Father Linwood had his own office separate from the hospital chapel. Victor didn't know if any of the other chaplains during the day were given separate offices or even if other hospitals had more than one chaplain. Linwood's office was on the third floor, which was lucky for Victor because he could pretend he was just off tidying up the waiting areas or cleaning windows. No one would be suspicious of him. Inside, the office was exactly what you might expect for a chaplain's office. There was a hospital-issued desk in the middle with religious literature strung out on top of it, bookcases with more literature and several copies of the Holy Bible. The walls were minor adored with religious paraphernalia. Victor averted his eyes when they landed upon the crucifix hung above the door. Something about Father Linwood owning and displaying a crucifix greatly offended Victor. After searching everything he could find, Victor found nothing out of the ordinary. It seemed that Father Linwood was clean, or at least that's what it looked like. Victor knew better. He knew that he didn't trust or care for the priest, and he knew he wasn't wrong in doing so. After a brief consideration of whether or not Victor should plant some evidence to get Father Linwood found out, he decided against it. That wasn't Victor's style. He wouldn't stoop to something so low as to frame clergy. Besides, he didn't have any evidence to plant. Victor looked at the wall clock. It was 3.49 a.m. He would be off duty in little more than an hour. He made sure that everything in the office was the way he found it, and he returned to the patient's wing. With more busy work keeping him occupied, he almost didn't hear Nurse Jackson's excited gossiping to Cindy. So is it over? Cindy said, sounding relieved, skeptical and enthusiastic at the same time. They're arresting him? Victor moved closer to the conversation. Who are they arresting? He couldn't stop from asking. Woody! Nurse Jackson turned her gaze to Victor. She was excited to repeat the story. Woody the medical examiner. Woody? Victor was shocked. Woody? The guy who runs the morgue? Woody? Yeah. Cindy chimed in now. They found spare organs in his personal vehicle. He's apparently been stealing internal organs for months. I guess he's been selling them on the black market. They found an entire set of grilling tools in there, too. 
Nurse Jackson wanted to take the lead again. He must have tried to kill that man in the sublevel. They think the patient found out about what he was doing. Wow, Victor said. I would have never guessed it would have been Woody. This was true. Victor never suspected Woody, the medical examiner, to be behind any of this. It hadn't even occurred to him that the family members wouldn't be able to tell if dear old Uncle Mel was missing a lung. Victor tuned out the rest of the conversation. It was over. They arrested someone. His shift was very nearly over, and he had survived the night. He decided to reward himself with a snack before he left the hospital. He wouldn't dare go back to the sublevel tonight after all that went on there. Instead, he traveled up to the fourth floor, where the stable comatose patients were kept. The fourth floor worked on a skeleton crew at night, even more so than the other parts of the hospital, probably because they didn't foresee a lot of excitement among patients in comas. Victor maneuvered himself through the fourth floor patient wing quite easily without running into a single employee. He walked straight back to room 405 where Mrs. Wilson had been sleeping peacefully for three months. Victor raised Mrs. Wilson's left hand, which was hooked up to an IV, to his mouth and kissed it gently. He then removed the intravenous needle from her wrist even more gently. He raised her now tube-free hand to his mouth once more and had the snack he promised himself. He wouldn't need to use his fangs on this meal. The vein was already open enough for a taste. He wouldn't dare use them again tonight anyway. Not after Cindy almost caught him with that patient during his lunch break. He hated the taste of IV fluid. But if he didn't want people to realize that Woody, the medical examiner, wasn't entirely to blame, he would have to deal with it for a while. Victor felt fortunate that the medical examiner had been discovered for his foul deeds. There was no room in Victor's heart for someone like that. At least Victor hunted for sustenance. With his peckish appetite suppressed for now, Victor released Mrs. Wilson's arm before the blood pressure could drop low enough to sound an alarm. He carefully reinserted her IV in the same hole he had just fed from. This would be his last meal at the hospital for a while. He couldn't risk being caught again. Lucky for him, he had been collecting extra blood packs and a few vital organs from generous donors. He could keep himself fed for a while. He would hate to have to switch hospitals again so soon. He liked this hospital and his co-workers. He hoped to stay with them for at least another decade before they noticed he wasn't aging. It was easier a few centuries ago. People barely noticed anything. And even if they did, they wouldn't live long enough to tell anyone who would believe them. Victor left the patient sleeping as peacefully as he found her. He didn't worry about anyone seeing him on his way out of the fourth floor patient wing, but still no one did. Once in the elevator, Victor looked at the security camera that he knew could not see him staring back at it. Perhaps the only positive perk to not appearing in mirrors or on film. Back on the main level, Victor walked a little quicker than normal to the black sedan with the dark-tinted windows that he called his own. The sun would be up in 20 minutes and he hated to be out after sunrise. He started the sedan and drove away from the hospital, and away from his close call working the graveyard shift. <laughs>